Praise God, he's doing awesome stuff and using us. Speaking of giving, giving your time is a wonderful thing as well. We got the Harvest Fest coming up. I would love to see everyone show up and, and to show up with a mission, to find someone they don't know and just be a light, shine, say hello, make them feel welcome. I think, uh, well, I know a lot of people come to our Harvest Fest and events from the neighborhood, from the community, and they show up to those things. And my goal is that when they show up, they leave feeling so loved, not just with candy, not just that the kids got to play, but the parents got to connect with someone and they say, that place might be worth checking out. That's, that's our goal. We just want them to leave thinking that place might be worth checking out because if you seek, you shall find. And if we can get these people to, to seek the Lord, they're going to find him. But that's our job is to be ambassadors for Christ. So we have to love on them. Right now, they've got their ideas of what church people are, and we have to show them a better way. They expect us to be mean and judgmental and say, I'm not going to talk to them. They don't even come to church. Instead, we want them to feel the love and acceptance as they are. And I say, hmm, maybe I was wrong. It's happened before. Well, my message today is entitled, Fear Not Perilous Times. I never get to use that word enough, perilous. Once you start using it, you say, that's enough. I don't want to be using that anymore. But I think that we are in perilous times. So I felt that the Lord was telling me there are a lot of people living in fear, living in fear. In fact, I think that in these perilous times, it's not just the world. I think that there are a lot of people raised in church even that are seeing what's happening now as like it's never happened before. Like this is, this is not used to this and they're oftentimes responding in fear. So I want to address fear. And if you know someone who has really just been dealing with fear, then I recommend, hopefully, um, if this message comes across well, you could share this message with them. Because I want people to understand we should not fear. The Bible says don't fear so many times. I... Uh, I highlight in my Bible every time it says, fear not or do not fear. And I would recommend that you do the same thing. Some people don't like to mark in their Bible. I finally got over it. Now I love to. But when, I, when it says, do not fear or fear not, I highlight that. And oftentimes, after it says that, it tells you why not to fear. Fear not because God is with you. That's a good enough reason not to fear. It's like if you're teaching a kid to swim and you're, you're holding their arm and you're trying to get them to let go of your neck. That they, they just, they're scared. You say, fear not. I am with you. I've got you. Nothing can happen. You cannot be harmed while I'm here. So just don't fear. I'm here. But what if I go under? I'll pull you up. Don't fear. I'm here. You don't even have to know how I'm going to save you because I'm going to save you, right? How much more does God love us? And how much more capable is he of saving us? All we know how to do is pull him out of the pool. God can save you in ways you can't even imagine. He, he's got all the pieces to the puzzle. And he can even use people who don't believe in him and people who don't love him. He can even use your enemies to save you. It's something he actually likes to do because... Uh, it just shows his creativity. And he will let people fall into their own traps, which is always entertaining to see. So I want to highlight a story that you've all heard before, but when I was reading through it um, the other day, what I've started doing now is listening to audio Bible as I'm going to sleep. I don't want that to sound like the Bible puts me to sleep. That is not it. 
um, I just eventually do fall asleep. And I was laying in bed the other night, and this story jumped out at me, and I never really caught it. I know I've heard this story, but I never really caught it. I want to share it with you. We're going to be reading from Exodus 1, and hopefully it will be here for you. I know it will, because we got our faithful team up top. God bless all you guys. But from Exodus 1, verse 16 to 21, if you would like to turn along there, Genesis, Exodus. That didn't take long. You're already there. It's the second book. Genesis, Exodus, and it's Exodus 1, verse 16 to 21. And if you would please stand together with me as we read God's word. Lord, thank you for your word. May it take root in our heart. Lord, I pray you would remove any obstacles between us and your truth, and we just accept whatever you have for us. Please give us new ears and new eyes and new hearts, and may we be fertile soil for this word of truth to grow and to bear fruit of the Spirit. We accept your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And he said, when you do the duties of a midwife... For the Hebrew women, and see them on their birth stools. If it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was, because the midwives feared God, that he provided households for them. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, what really jumped out at me about this story is these were perilous times. The king of basically the world, the king of Egypt, has declared that the Hebrew children have to kill their their boys. If you have a baby and it's a boy... It's got to be killed immediately. These are perilous times, people. Dare I say, this puts anything we're going through to shame. No one, I don't know of anyone who's demanding the death, immediate death of your newborn sons. That's what was happening. Now, the reason I want to point that out is because I think that the devil would like us to believe that all of this peril is new. Like, it used to be the good old days, but those are gone. You've got nothing to look forward to now except perils. It's going to be terrible starting now. You hear words like, the new normal, the new, new normal. The world is changing forever, and it's going to get worse. I think that's what the devil wants us to believe. But guess what? The good old days had their own problems, real problems. They also were perilous times. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. So when you're watching the news and they're screaming, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, you just have to remember that 3,000 years ago, When you're walking through the streets of Egypt, there was some reporter there to let you know the sky, it is falling on you. You will not make it. Well, I have news for you. None of those Egyptians made it. That was thousands of years ago. They're all dead now. And I also have news for us. We're probably not going to make it. We're eventually going to have to die. 
if the Lord tarries, mind you. We might be a part of that generation that just crosses into the spirit, into our new body. There he is. Oh, what a day that will be. But for most people throughout human existence, they haven't just transitioned into glory. They had to die. Okay? The sky fell on them finally. But death is not even something to fear when God is your father. Because we don't mourn as those with no hope. In fact, death for us is a new beginning. It's the beginning of the rest of your life. My fifth grade teacher said, today is the first day of the rest of your life. Well, as believers, when we die, that really is the first day of the rest of our eternal life. We don't have to fear the future. That's my message. We don't have to fear these perilous times. The perilous times aren't new. And God's hand is at work inside and amidst the storm, protecting and even blessing his children while chaos rules and reigns around the world. God rules and reigns in his kingdom. Now, God, of course, is the God master of the universe, creator of everything. But he's the one who said, the prince of this world is the devil. The devil's actually ruling and reigning. If you look around, you say, you mean a teacher can't even talk about the Bible in school? They could be fired or even in, in serious trouble? Well, that's because the devil sits on the throne of this earth. When you say, you're telling me that they can, I can watch a movie and they can use the name of Jesus as a cuss word that doesn't even get beeped out. But if, if someone wants to kneel down on a football field before a game and say a prayer, they're going to cut to commercial because we can't have the name of Jesus being said. Wait, the show before the game, they said the name of Jesus a bunch of times as a cuss word. How does that make sense? Here's how it makes sense. The devil sits on the throne of this world. Okay? So when you see perils all around you, don't be surprised. These are, these are symptoms of the problem that the devil sits on the throne of the world. And any solution offered by the world is a lie, and it is not going to help. And it is just another lie, another trick, another tool of the king of this world, which is the devil. But something amazing happened 2,000 years ago, something that had never happened in the history of the world, in the spiritual realm. God said, my kingdom is here. God set up a kingdom here. Now, it's invisible. We can't see it. But it is more real than anything you can see. And it is the one thing that makes the, the prince of this world, the, the devil, shake in his little split-toed boots. Because when, when Jesus came and set up the kingdom, said the kingdom is here, the kingdom is at hand, my kingdom is coming, and behold, it is here. It's coming, but it's also here. What that meant was that these open plans and, and kingdoms of the devil, they had to start to go underground. Before, you could the king of Egypt could openly say, today I feel like just killing all the boys. I think I'll do that. And guess what? Everyone said, okay, time to start killing the boys. And they did that. But now, when, when Jesus came and brought the truth, and people's eyes began to be opened, and people said, I don't want to be a part of this old kingdom anymore. I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. Oh, look, he's given me everything I need to be successful in his kingdom. He's given me the sword of the spirit, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth. He's given me everything I need to wage war in the spirit realm. In victory, by the way. When that happened, the devil's kingdom began shaking at its very foundation. Before the kings of the earth could just say, I'll kill all these people now. 
Now, if they try to do that, there's enough people out there who speak the truth, who recognize the truth, and can tell that's evil. No, we don't do that. So the devil's still working his plans, okay? He still is out to seek and destroy, but he's got to prowl now, you know, sort of creep. He can't just expose himself like he used to. He's got to be a little more sneaky. But let me tell you something. The only advancements the kingdom of the devil can make are when we choose not to stand how we should. They say the only way for evil to win is for good men to do nothing, right? Well, God set up his kingdom, and the wolves are howling at the door, and they want to get in and destroy you, but you can't get past God's kingdom. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us. But if we choose not to act, if we choose not to live in faith, if we choose to fear, we hear the dog howling outside and we say, oh no, he's going to get me. We weaken our stance and then the enemy is able, even if he doesn't get you, he's got victory over you because you're laying there afraid. Here's what I want to point out about this story. These midwives, they were living in perilous times, perilous times. If, they, if I was these midwives, I would say, Lord, save me from this world. The whole world is evil. The king's killing the boys and getting away with it. Lord, I need you to destroy Egypt or rescue me to some new place. Or, but guess what? God is so powerful. If I was these midwives, I would not be able to imagine a way that I could live in God's blessing in such a wicked country. But guess what? <laughs> God can do more than we can ask or even imagine. God imagined a way to bless these midwives in the midst of perilous times. And here's what it says. Because the midwives feared God, and I really want to put an emphasis on that. Because the midwives feared God, he provided households for them. And a household, some other translations um, say he gave them families of their own. A household. It's, it's, it's having a family, a place to put them. It's being blessed. But here's why God did it. Because they feared him. You have a choice. You can fear the roaring lion. And by the way, I think... A lot of times when people hear, don't, don't fear, don't be afraid. I think a lot of people think, this person thinks I'm being paranoid. This person thinks that my fears aren't legitimate when they are. Okay, if there's a roaring lion, that, that's a legitimate reason for concern. It's not, you're not imagining it. You're not blowing it out of proportion, you know, there's a real lion, and lions can eat people. That, these are facts. But if you think to yourself, that lion can eat me, therefore I'm afraid, because if that lion chooses to eat me, there's nothing I can do. You see where the problem happened in that logic? It's, it's in the lion's hand. Your life is in the lion's hands in that logic. If the lion chooses to eat me, there's nothing I can do. We are not in the lion's hands. We're in God's hands. God made the lion. He can lock up his jaws. We've seen that happen. He can give you strength to literally take the lion by the mane, knock it on the head, and kill it. David did that when he was a young shepherd. I think a lot of people think that he... Uh, he hit the lion with a slingshot, too. But actually, no. He grabbed him by the hair and struck him on the head. <laughs> That's amazing. Think about the courage. The courage to do that. Me, see, the lion's mane is too close to his teeth. And just reaching out there, you could go home like this. But not David. He said, my life, my fingers are not in the lion's hands. It's in God's hands. 
So, we should not, the Bible says do not fear, but that doesn't mean when someone says do not fear, don't, don't say, my fears are real. You don't understand. This is real. I'm going to lose my home. I'm going to get divorced. I'm going to get fired. I'm going. We still shouldn't fear, even if the fear is real. Because in the midst of the very real fear, God can bless you. He can give you a household, just like he gave the midwives. But it has to do with who do you fear? If you fear the lion who roars about, he will eat you. Okay, he will. Unless he he gets a kick out of just watching you shake in your boots. He might just let you live long enough just to torture you. But if you fear God, if you fear God, then he will bless you. Fear God. So remember these midwives. When you're watching the news and when you start to think we're in perilous times, woe to those who are born today. Remind yourself, whoa, the midwives lived in a pretty tough time. The the king had told them you need to kill the male boys. But they feared God instead. I think there's going to be a time when our country starts to give us commands that contradict God's word. And when that time comes, we're going to have the same choice as these midwives. We can say, it's the law. You know, when they disobeyed the Pharaoh, they were breaking the law. I'm sure Pharaoh could have them killed for that. I mean, Pharaoh can have anyone killed. He's just decided to kill all the baby boys and no one cares except for the Hebrew children. You know, the Hebrews, of course, they care. God cares. But we have to fear God. We have to remember these stories because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We are people of faith. We're not people of fear. We have to have faith. You build your faith by hearing the word of God. So I just want to remind you of a couple of these stories. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God could have delivered them from the fire. He could have, they could have said, if I was in their shoes, my prayers would have been something like this. Please don't let me go in that fire. <laughs> you know I don't like fire. It's hot. It burns. Please don't let me go in the fire. But God had a better plan. You see, if if the Hebrew children, if the king had just said, I was just kidding you, that's crazy. We're not going to throw you in the fire. We make bricks in there. We're going to have to clean all your mess out, your your ashes or something. No, If, if any other way had these Hebrew children had been saved, we would have missed seeing that in the fire, Jesus showed up. He could have delivered them from the fire by themselves, but instead he delivered them through the fire with himself. And then he was glorified. The king, this wicked king, said, okay, so yeah, turns out their God's real. Turns out that big golden thing would have melted in this fire, but their clothes didn't even melt. Nothing burned off of them except for the ropes that bind them. That's what happens when you fear God. Hallelujah. Thank you. But I know every single person in this room is being threatened with a fire because you're alive on earth. And as long as you're alive on earth, you are not exempt from, what, from what's going on. And let me remind you of something. I think someone needs to hear this, okay? Maybe they're online. I don't know. I think someone needs to hear this. What you are going through, what you are struggling with, is not unique to you. Now, it's true. You know, no one knows my experience. No one can go through what I'm going through. But guess what? Whatever you're going through, someone's gone through before. In fact, 
1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. It's common. The devil doesn't want you to think it's common. The devil will tell you, everyone in this room has got it together except for you. You're a fake. You're a poser. Everyone else has got it going on. Everyone else is doing great. You are a failure. You're not good enough. You need to get out of here. Go back to where you belong. Go back to the slums. Go back to living your old defeated life. That's what the devil wants. He wants you to think that no one would would do what you did. Look at what you did. No one would do that. You're the worst. That's what the devil will tell you. At least that's what he tells me. I don't know if he tells y'all. I think he does because here right here it says, no temptation has overtaken you except what's common to mankind. So listen, the devil's been telling you you're alone in this. You are not, okay? You're not. It's common. It's common to mankind. But then what it says, God is faithful. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Makes you just want to cry. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. There's someone in this room who has been struggling with the same thing over and over and over, and they're at that point, or maybe a long time ago, they came to the point where they just said, this is the way it is. This is my thorn in the side, and I have this, and I'm just going to accept this. It could be that the devil has camouflaged your way out so you don't see it. But I'm telling you, there is a way out. There is a way out because God put it there. He would not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, and he always provides a way out. If you find yourself cornered and trapped, just start looking around, looking around with your spiritual hope because there is a way out for you. Do not fear even then, because there's a way out. And you're not alone. You're not the worst person on earth because you did that, whatever it is. It's common, it's common. We're all messed up, but God loves us. And he gives us a choice to fear the world. But he tells us, fear him. When you fear God, Miracles happen. Now, we're not people of fear, we're people of faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I want to read another verse to you, Isaiah 41.10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Do not fear, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with my right hand of my righteousness. Now, listen, it says, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Afraid, dismayed. Similar, but they're a little different. Fear is what first sets in. You see the lion and you get afraid. Oh, my goodness. It's that initial shock. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. Dismay happens when you... Analyze your situation. You take inventory of all your resources and you determine, I am not enough to defeat this. I can't handle this. This problem that's come against me is bigger than I am. I don't have the money. I don't have the health. I don't have the time. I don't have the friends. I don't, I, whatever you need to solve this problem, you don't have it. And once you realize that, then you are dismayed. And if you tell someone who's dismayed, fear not, they're going to think you're just blowing smoke because they're going to say, look, I've I've analyzed the situation. There is no solution. I am in big trouble. So yes, I shall fear. Whenever you analyze your resources and you don't have enough, I can guarantee you, you did not include your number one resource which is God. If you look at your problem and you start looking at your solutions, you're already messed up and you're this far from being dismayed. 
What you have to do is you have to say, I've got a problem that's come against me. That initial fear sets in. You look at something and you go, uh-oh, there's a lion. But now you have a choice. You can fear the lion. Very, what you call, it's logically, it's logical. Look at the lion's muscles. You can see them when he walks. Have you ever seen that? It's walking and you just see those muscles just, and you think, good Lord, I hope that thing doesn't come over here and swipe at me. Then you see those claws and you just remember the X-Men and you think, oh my goodness. If I even tried to scratch at him, our, if you scratch too hard with us, our nails bend backwards. It's no good. Not lion claws. So if you see a lion and you start to get scared, you're a very logical person. Congratulations. Your thoughts are making sense. However, we're not supposed to only use our eyes. If you only use your eyes, you're going to say, I'm going to lose this one. You got to use your spiritual eyes. You got to first say, okay, there's a lion. Who made that lion? God. Oh, yeah, the same one that loves me? Yeah, I should be okay. The same God that made me and made the lion, he's got me in the palm of his hand. If that lion were Pharaoh trying to kill male boys, God would be able to save me. God used the midwives to save the boys, and then he just blessed the midwives for fearing him. That was even before Jesus came down here and set up his kingdom on earth, okay? Something really huge happened, and it, it would really take hours to sort of explain it all, but something real happened in the spiritual realm when Jesus came down here and defeated death in the grave. The devil who had been stomping around and ruling the world for a long time had to start to move his operations underground. He's still doing what he's doing, but he's got to move it underground because enough people have stood on the truth of God and have done things like on our money said, in God we trust. Put the Ten Commandments in our courtrooms. Put him in our Pledge of Allegiance. God was at the forefront of our mind. Our forefathers, when they got to, to their wit's end and didn't know what to do, in the congressional hall, they stopped and they prayed to God in the name of Jesus. That caused the devil's operations to move underground. He's exposed because there's too much light, too many people shining, too many lights of the world fearing God. What could he do but move it underground? Uh, I hate to say that over the uh, Christian history of, of America, at least, um, and this has happened before, before we were even born, but we started to get comfortable, you know? We had seen such great victories. But oftentimes after a victory, you want to go home and kick your feet up a little bit and say, wow, that was great. But then your kids get comfortable, and then a generation comes up that doesn't really know what life was like when the devil was above ground doing his plans. And when they say, we got to get the Ten Commandments out of the courtroom, that's a separation of church and state. We go, well, I wouldn't want the Ten Commandments of the devil's Bible up there, so I don't really want pagan witches being able to go in. The so, okay, that's fair. We'll, we'll concede. We'll, we'll take them out. It's all good. Oh, you don't like Bibles in schools, prayer in schools? All right. You're, that's logical, separation of church and state. But as we retreat, the devil's advancing. There's only two sides. There's only two sides. So remember, remember these midwives. Remember King Jehoshaphat. Listen to this, Second Chronicles 20, 15 to 17. Uh, the prophet, um, God said through the prophet this, listen to me, King Jehoshaphat and all you people living in Judah and Jerusalem. The Lord says this to you, don't be afraid or discouraged because of this large army. Again, I just want to point out, he's not saying don't be afraid. It's all in your head. It's all imaginary. No, there's a real threat. Okay. There's a real threat. But even though the threat's real, don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid of that large army. The battle is not yours. It's God's. Tomorrow, go down there and fight those people. They will come up through the pass of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the ravine that leads to the desert of Jeruel. You won't need to fight in this battle. Just stand strong in your places, and you will see the Lord save you. Judah and Jerusalem, don't be afraid or discouraged, because the Lord is with you. So go out and go against those people. And a couple verses later, Jehoshaphat's army went out into the desert of Tekoa early in the morning. As they were starting out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, people of Judah and Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will stand strong. There's another recipe. Have faith in the Lord, and you will stand strong. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will stand strong. Have faith in his prophets, and you will succeed. Jehoshaphat listened to the people's advice. Then he chose men to be singers to the Lord, to praise him, because he is holy and wonderful. As they marched in front of the army, the the singers marched in front of the army. They said, thank the Lord, because his love continues forever. Now listen to this. As they began singing and praising God, the Lord set ambushes for the people of Ammon, Moab, and Edom, who had come to attack Judah, and they were defeated. As they began to sing and praise the Lord, God, God's plan, there's nothing you can do to stop it, okay? But the choices you make matter so much. Don't just sit there and think, well, it's God's plan. Nothing can stop it. Well, who am I? What, you know, it doesn't matter what I do. It does matter. Because listen, God blessed the midwives. Why? Because of a choice they made. God, God loves us all. He wants to bless everyone. But he has, he has built this world with laws. And one of those laws is you obey his commands and you have access to these blessings and all of this. But if you disobey God's commands, you run into consequences. It's just the way it is. If you plant a seed but you never water it and it doesn't grow, it's not the seed's fault. It's your fault. You didn't operate within the rules of the way it works. Well, these midwives, they operated within the rules. They were dealt a horrible hand. They were born in a terrible time to be alive. They were slaves. They were, the king is a psycho, just killing all the boys. But they chose to fear God, and God responded specifically to them. He's still able to bring around judgment on Egypt and do his great plan, but in the midst of that, He can weave in your blessing, or he can weave in your consequences. He's going to teach you that lesson because he loves you. He's going to teach you that lesson because he loves you. Do we need to wander around the same mountain for 40 years until we get the lesson? Or will we have faith? So, God inhabits the praises of his people. That's why Jehoshaphat put those singers up there. And as they began to sing, the Lord began to fight their battles. Maybe you're battling depression or anxiety. Maybe you're battling, I don't know what it is, but I'll tell you this, God can fight that battle for you. He can set ambushes for your enemies. How do you access God's blessing and protection? By obeying his commands. Don't fear that stuff. Don't fear that stuff. I was never afraid of any of the big kids in school because my brothers, my brothers have an unnatural strength and ferocity. It's, it's really not fair. They can whip all their own friends. They can really whip me. And I, could, I never even could find a person that, that they couldn't whip. So it doesn't matter what's going on in school if the guy, if a bunch of big, scary guys are doing this, that, or the other. I never walked around school like this. I walk around just like this, kicking doors open. Boom! I'm only this tall, too. Doesn't matter. 
Because what's someone going to do? My brother's right over there. What would you like to do? Would you like me to? Oh, brother. They're going, no, 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 it's all good. It's all good. My brother Jeremy, when he was in ninth grade, he, he knocked out a senior. You get a reputation after that. I thought about calling him Moses, but I didn't want to build his head up too much. But he could walk through the, the hallways and, and the sea would part. I'm serious. I'm not making that up. So, yeah, I had faith in my brother. So I had nothing to fear with these little high school kids. Who do you have faith in? If you have faith in yourself, you're going to have to be afraid every time a problem comes up that's bigger than you. And that's going to be most of them. The devil's not going to sit there and shoot, shoot you with uh, uh, paper, paper balls. He's going to come, come at you with something that hurts. And if you have faith in yourself, you have no hope. But if you have faith in God, the devil, he, he still hasn't found a weapon bigger than God. If he could, he would use it on you. But he can't find one. There is not one. There's nothing bigger than God. You have nothing better to put your faith in than God. But we have to do it. And how do we do it? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Daily, we have to be reminding ourselves of these perilous times before in which God was able to work and bring about his plan. And then when we run into these new perilous times, we'll know exactly what to do. Stand firm on God's promises. He's bigger than this. He is going to make a way where there is no way. And when the rest of the world says, I didn't hear Fauci say that. Fauci said to what? <laughs> I didn't hear, I never learned that in school. In school, if you want to be successful, study hard, work hard, go to college, and you're successful. But school didn't teach me anything about faith in God. Guess what? God's the only one you can have faith in that's going to pay off. God loves you. He wants to bless you, even amidst the storm. But it's on us to fear him instead of the news. When the news says the sky is falling and the earth is falling apart, I got news for you. This right here tells me what happens at the end of the world. It's not pretty. The world doesn't make it. This earth is going to be destroyed by fire. If anything, when you turn on the news and they say, the sky is falling, it's finally happening, we should say, well, it's about time. It's about time. Because we know that in the midst of this chaos that is going to come at the end of the world, God is still going to be searching for his little midwives that he can provide households for. And it could be that that household is in glory forever. But when we keep that heavenly perspective, these temporary problems of the world, they just fade away. I'm telling you, there's a place that we're going where there is no more sickness. There's no more death. Every tear is wiped away by Jesus himself. We have nothing to fear. The worst this world can do to you is take your life. But God is the author and the master of life. And the second life leaves your body, it becomes present with him. And you'll realize there's nothing to be afraid of. So fear not these perilous times. They're not new. God is working in the midst of the perilous times. We live in a funny situation where the devil is the prince of the world. But God also has set up his kingdom and is ruling and reigning. There's a duality going on. It's like good and evil. 
It's a lot like these movies that you see, except good and evil are not equal. I'm sorry, good and evil are not equals. They're not equal. All the movies on TV, they want you to think good and evil are equal forces. The devil wants you to think that good and evil are equal forces. He wants you to think, I can do it. He can win. But he can't. They're not evil. Evil is just darkness. And darkness only exists where there's an absence of light. It's not a force in itself. It's just, oh, there's no light there. So you want to see a little less evil in the world? Shine brighter. Turn up the light. The darkness has to retreat from the light. God gave us the authority. All authority was given to Jesus. And you know what he did? He gave it to us. We have the authority. But do we have the faith and the courage to use it? We can't fear. The faith and the courage to use it. A police officer can turn on his lights and pull you over. He's got the authority to do it. But if he sees you speeding by and he just says, huh, I'm not going to not going to use my authority. Then the guy gets away. God has given us the authority. And he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Take a self-analysis test right now. In your life, do you see power? In your life, do you see a sound mind? If you don't see those things, all you have to do is turn the fear down. Turn it off. Turn the faith in God up, and you're going to be able to see. Depression melt away, and a sound mind is your new gift. Confusion and worry are things of the past, while hope and trust are your guidestones. So just remember that, everyone. It's going crazy out there. It's true. Everyone's screaming, the sky is falling. But it's not new. I just want to remind you of that. There's nothing new under the sun. It's not new. And the same solutions that worked for the midwives, they're going to work for us. Fear God. Okay? Speak the truth. Speak love. The field is white and ready for harvest. So that's why I mentioned, if there's anyone you know who's living in fear, you have a responsibility to turn on that light, to shine, encourage them, give them hope. They say, oh, it's never been this bad before. Remind them, you know, there was a time Pharaoh was killing all the boys. That was pretty bad. But the midwives, um, they didn't partake in that murder. They put their own necks on the line. And God did a miracle and blessed them. God wants to use you. It's going to take courage. Courage can only exist, by the way, where fear exists. I mean, if you're not scared, it's not courage. If you go get a sandwich out of the refrigerator, that didn't take any courage. But if you go get a sandwich out of a tiger's mouth, that is going to take some courage. Sometimes God put our favorite sandwiches in the tiger's mouths. But he doesn't send us after that tiger alone. He's not sending any one of you out there alone. He's with you. Do not fear. Worship him. Just like Jehoshaphat. Oh, there's an army out here to kill us? Oh, it's a large army? Sounds like a time to praise the Lord. <laughs> what if you looked at the world that way? Everyone around you is going to go, something is wrong with them. But then they're going to see that you're always smiling and they're always frowning, and they're going to say, is something wrong with me? Is something right with them? Dear Lord, we love you. You're so good. And God... There are lions roaring about this earth, and they're trying to scare us, and they're shining their teeth and their claws at us. And Lord, we have brains, and we have eyes, and we can see, and we recognize the danger is real. But Lord, we choose not to succumb to fear. 
I claim victory right now over every roaring lion that would stand against us because the lion of Judah will fight the battle for us. Lord, I just claim victory in areas that that people have even given up on. I claim victory, God. Right now, I pray that you would remind them. If you could bless the midwives, you could bless them. If you could deliver Jehoshaphat from these large armies by fighting the battles for him, then you can deliver anyone in this room from any situation. Lord, I claim victory. That's what I claim. When the world claims fear, death, and destruction, I claim victory. Victory in Jesus. Victory in Christ alone. May that be our banner call. May we seek no further than your word for our future. The devil says he will destroy us, but you said you're going to save us. For those who are right now just about for their head to go completely underwater, they've they've tried, they've kicked, they've screamed, they've tried, but the storm is overtaking them. Lord God, would you reach down and rescue them? Give them salvation. Lord, I pray for the lost as we stand up and act in faith and courage instead of fear. I pray. Just like the army around David who was emboldened when they saw that giant fall, I pray that the lost around us would share in our victory, would be inspired and would finally come to you. You said the fields are white and ready for harvest. We just need laborers. Make us laborers, God. Give us courage. Give us victory. In Jesus' name. And God, if there's anyone who's been dealing with sin and they're seeking forgiveness, they say, I want to claim victory over this. This lion's been roaring in my life for too long. Lord, Change their heart even right now. Turn their heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And may they let go of those chains that bind them and grab your hand. May you pull them up out of that murky water. Clothe them in salvation. Right now. May they confess in their heart, you are God. Christ is Lord. He died for our sins. We praise you, God. We praise you that your kingdom is here, that you came down here and claimed victory over death for us. You fought our battles. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name.